Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. Well, today we're talking about Colorado, or maybe even the Colorado River, and certainly about talking. We're talking about talking and conversing about conversing. We're having a dialogue with John Stoker. That's right. And um, I felt like I should say something about his last name, and I forgot. So, John, if you're listening to this, uh, uh, ping us and tell us the origin of your name, because I feel like it has something to do with chimney sweeps. I mean, who knows, right? But Stoker. Love that name. What I love even more is trying to picture, I also want to see a picture of John in his early years when he was a... He used the term river runner. So I'm sure people have heard the term maze runner because of that movie that came out, what, 10 or 15 years ago. A river runner is something totally similar. That's right. Yep. Someone who runs runs on top of rivers. Yeah. Yeah. So right. to find out more about river running and leadership and conversation, here's our interview with John Stoker. Nice to see you, John. I have to say the light over your head gives kind of a an aura to everything. So um <laughs> <laughs> so uh, shed some light on kind of um, what your world looks like. I've been kind of in the organizational development leadership um, space for, gosh, 20 years. And ha from having worked in corporate America, I think the thing that um, probably stood out to me the most was how poorly oftentimes people communicated with employees. And so having been one, I experienced all kinds of, I don't think I'd call it unintentional, unintentional trauma, but where things weren't clear and then you delivered what you thought you were being asked for and then it isn't what people wanted and whether it's on my, me to misinterpret what they said or on them because they were unintentionally vague, it just kind of happened and that kind of got me thinking about why is it that uh, that we can't communicate clearly and effectively when in reality it impacts so much of what we do, not only in our personal but also in our professional relationships. John, I wanted to dive in on that because um, not about what you said, but how you said it. So there's a real calm to your voice. There's a real um, kind of chill nature, as the kids say. Um, did, were you always kind of the calm, cooler head in the room uh, in corporate? And then obviously now talking about conversations, talk about tone and, and, and uh, timber and, and how the voice can be calm and, and still sort of have weight. No, I wasn't always calm. In fact, when I first started um, facilitating and teaching classes, I had a coach who was there watching me and he said to me at the end of a session, do you notice that you shoot flares at people? And I go, what do you mean? He said, well, when people kind of get nasty, you know, and they kind of sometimes have a tendency to do, you kind of come back. So, for example, years ago I was speaking in front of a group of about a thousand, and somebody yelled out, who are you to be speaking on this topic? 
and it was a legal topic. Uh, they didn't know, I guess, that I'd been to law school. And so the company had hired me to create a training program around legal issues that managers might have. And so I was you know, professionally prepared to do the research and create the training that would help the organization. But you can imagine it could kind of derail you a little bit. Somebody in an audience just yells out, well, who are you? <laughs> and I said, I just took out a pencil and a pad from my pocket and said, now, what was your name again? You know, <laughs> that was that was the end of it, right? He wasn't so that's gonna, a flare? That's a flare. It's like, it's kind of a, a comeback. So once that was pointed out to me in this other situation, I, I, I'll be honest, I focused on that part of my delivery, which is really about emotional intelligence, about learning what it is that may trigger you and being in control of that and managing that. So you're, you're absolutely right when you said, you know, tone. I, I really do believe that tone is a reflection of the mind. And so your tone is what gives you away. And so if you can't remain calm and cool and collected, then your tone is going to be a dead giveaway. So you just triggered me there because you said the word trigger. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm curious. I, I have to talk about this because we live in a world that's all about triggers and triggering. And it, that is about conversations, right? It is about tone. It's about words. It's about uh, intentions. And so you've got an approach that, that goes at difficult conversations. Um, how do you avoid triggers or how do you get through triggers or, you know, generational differences, all that stuff? What's, what's your view on all of the... Well, I'll be honest, when I wrote my book, when after it was finished and got published, I said to my wife, I said, you know, we probably missed the biggest piece. Um, and she said, well, what is that? And I said, if you don't understand yourself and what triggers you, I could teach you all day long what you needed to know to hold a difficult conversation. But if you cannot remain calm or at ease, we often refer to it, and understand what it is that triggers you, then you're gonna go off. And so that, that for me has been a big issue. So if you wanted me to address that, if people were really interested in understanding what their triggers are, what people should do is sit down and think about a time or two or three when they've gotten highly emotional and then ask themselves in a calm moment, what is it that I wanted in this situation and didn't get? Now, the reason you ask that question is to identify the values that you have that got triggered that you didn't even know that you had. So when I, if I said to somebody, what is it, what are the values you have that trigger you? Most people wouldn't be able to answer the question unless they'd done that kind of personal work. So then you create a list. Um, so for me, for example, one thing that really gets me going, even at home, is my kids are disrespectful to one another. And so, you know, I'll call them on, on that, and they'll call me on it if they feel like they're being dissed. And so recognizing what your values are helps you to understand that if I was talking with you one-on-one -on -one in any kind of a situation, be it personal or professional, and I started to feel that little rise of emotion that kind of comes up, I can stop myself re being more personally aware and say, wait a minute, is Kent really trying to 
challenged my my respect in some way, shape, or form. And I have to admit, if I don't know, then the emotion subsides. And if I want to talk about it, then I have the choice of holding that conversation about what you're saying or doing and how I'm taking it personally. So we like to kind of say that um, hot emotion is really a symbol of a violated value. Now that's a different way of looking at your interactions with other people. But notice their emotion, if you got emotional with me, is all about you. It's how you're viewing and interpreting the situation that's giving rise to your emotions. So that allows me to remain objective and set myself aside from that interaction. And then I have to, I have to decide, or I can decide, if it's something I want to explore with you or not. Kind of a long answer, but does that make sense? I think that was really interesting, John. Uh, and I want to sort of dig a little bit further. So we live in a world where every relationship counselor, every marriage counselor, every pastor, every HR department, every uh, every coach, every everybody out there is teaching people how to have conversations, difficult conversations, how to express what it is that they really want, what they really need, give instructions clearly, whatever it may be. Many of them are let's just say, less experienced than you are. But outside of experience, what makes you and your background unique to make you different enough from everybody else? Why would people come to John Stoker rather than the guy down the road who hangs out a shingle and says, I can help you in a corporate situation have a difficult conversation? Well, I've been working on it for 25 years and I learn something every day. My background is I have a master's in organizational behavior and in industrial psychology, and so that's kind of where I started. Then I went back to school and got a law degree, and that's a different kind of conversation that usually details and helps you understand consequences. So I, I guess the easiest way to kind of answer the question is whether whoever's holding the conversation, there's just some principles that people have to understand and apply and practice day in and day out if they're going to be good at holding these types of conversations. In another life, I got through school by being a river runner. I was a whitewater guide in Grand Canyon. That's how I paid for my education. And the thing that I really liked about that whole experience is it reminds me of conversations. Sometimes there's calm water. Sometimes there's extreme violence. Sometimes there's back eddies that you know keep you from moving forward. Sometimes there's, you know, if you're not watching what you're doing, you're going to get in trouble. And so understanding what the dynamics of conversation are and learning how to manage those dynamics has a great deal to do with people's effectiveness. So just hanging out a shingle, yeah, you know, if you were teaching me something and I went to apply it and it didn't work, right, then that would tell me that, you know, there's got to be something else we're missing here. And so I've just spent a lot of time learning what works, what doesn't work, applying it, teaching other people to apply it, gotten feedback, tweaking things, 
And so the processes and the models that we've developed for managing these types of conversations, I know they work, whether they be in your personal or professional lives. So I totally love the river runner. I, I love rafting. I've been down some pretty rough rivers. And the fact that the river is always changing, it's like the ocean, it's always changing. You're never actually certain what's going to come next. It could be, as you say, it could be smooth, could be rough, could be dangerous. So that part of your background is what I would really like to hone in on and look at what, you know, the Colorado River, exciting stuff. What is the most dangerous part of being a river runner that you apply to a difficult conversation? Well, I think we already mentioned it. I, uh, when you look at the the violence or the energy that come with in contemplating some kind of a rapid, like there's some pretty big rapids there. And I was down there in the 80s and 90s when there was some huge runoff. Um, and so it wasn't uncommon to pull over and take a look and kind of pick your path in terms of where you wanted to go. And that's kind of the preparation principle in conversation when you sit and think about, you know, what is the topic and what is it that I really want to come from this conversation and what kind of resistance might I get or what, what kind of arguments might they throw up and, you know, where do I want this to end up and what do I want it to look like? You know, just thinking that through and then you start in the top of the rapid, you know, and then you've got all those dynamics that are going on that you couldn't foresee. And you have to be able to adjust and in the moment to navigate successfully through that. But at least I did some preparation, got real clear on what I want as an intention. So when people try to try to derail those conversations, you know, I can very calmly maintain the direction that I want to go and make sure that we're going to get to the outcome that's important for us to get to. So, you know, by analogy, there's, you know, a lot of that. There's awareness. That's a principle. There's preparation. That's a principle. There's asking questions and engaging in discovery more than telling people. We do far too much telling and not enough asking. Then there, there's the emotional component to understanding why and how people get emotional and learning how to diffuse that defensiveness or emotion so that you continue safely on the voyage to coming to a to an end that you really want to obtain that's interesting um uh where you ended there the end is one aspect and the other aspect is the ride right so the river uh the river runner I, i've also done a little bit of rafting uh and that river runner has got to have power in that boat right so if if you want people to to row on the right side so that you save everybody's tail there's got to be like do this right now <laughs> yeah right now <laughs> right now but at the same time there's compassion there's joy there's all kinds of stuff but i i'm fascinated by the idea that it's not about the result it's also about the ride so the con conversations are why i live my life personally i love conversations i love this conversation what is it about conversations that so, you know, intrigues you as much as the Colorado River did? I would just say the 
understanding the dynamics of what's happening in the moment. It's like I, I had the opportunity to counsel someone in the last week who's having a really tough time. And she gets so wrapped up in the energy and the emotion of the situation that she misses or doesn't see uh, objectively the dynamics of what's happening. So when she comes back to me and says, here's what happened today, you know, so-and-so said this and I said this, you know, then I can say, did you notice you asked that question and they didn't answer it? They basically responded with a question, which is a way of deflecting you from where you want to go. So you have to start to notice the kinds of things that, you know, people are doing. And then the conversation went on a little further and I said, do you notice, based on what you're sharing with me, this person is making you the villain and that they're the victim? And that's what they continue to do. So notice if you're always the villain, that you're really not getting a really accurate read on what they're thinking and where things are going because it's about them defending themselves. So it's it's being able to notice those dynamics. You have to, you can't manage what you don't see. So if you can recognize what the dynamics are and try and understand what they are, then you can manage the conversation. Now, you said you're interested in the end. Part of the reason we hold these conversations, be they personal or professional, is because People are not getting what they want, whatever that be. And that's why you're holding it, is because you want something to change. So being clear about where you're at and where you want to go, what you want to change, and then doing that with another person, as you said, enjoying the ride when you get there, it's tremendously exhilarating because you're going to get different results. But if you never bring it up, if you never talk about it, if you can't manage it, then oftentimes these kind of conversations blow up or you know, people don't get what they want, then they're frustrated and get angry and then they engage in gossip or they shut down or they change jobs or departments or teams or, you know, uh, it's just they recruit allies. I mean, it's a mess, quite frankly. So that moment, the moment where you as a guide you know, when the water's really rough, you haven't been down it in advance at this level or anything. You pull out, you pull the boat to the shore, you scout out what the rapids look like, you think about which path to take. Describe the joy of then getting through those rapids. Uh, how did you feel as a guide, you know, at the end of those rapids? Oh, it's exhilarating. I mean, totally exhilarated. But in the moment, you're scared to death. Right, because I, when I first learned to run the river, people had thought I was kind of nuts. You know, in Grand Canyon, there's a rapid every half mile for about 288 miles. So I created a notebook. I drew pictures. I interviewed guides. I drew where the rocks were, where the dangerous waves were, where the, sh you know, all that. And I memorized that. But the first time I got in one of those really big rapids, even though I knew where everything was, I couldn't see it in the moment, right in the middle. So I hit a rock and knocked off the lower unit of my outboard motor. You know, not, it's not intentionally, but that makes the point for the dynamics. So you can understand the concepts, 
but it's in running that rapid, it's in learning those dynamics and managing those dynamics, whether it be on the river or in a conversation, that allows you not to be able to not to be derailed by what's happening in the moment and to manage those dynamics to successfully get to the end. So, you know, you, you prepare, you, you might be afraid, take a deep breath, and in you go. And when you come out the other side with the results that you want, you know, it's tremendously exhilarating. It's tremendously rewarding. It's probably why I did it so long. Yeah. And so one of the most exciting things is when you, uh, as you said, when you come through, when you come out the other side, the fear and the adrenaline just creates that amazing excitement, that rush that, that's unlike anything that, that you have. I, I would imagine racing car drivers have the same thing when they hit the finish line. And unfortunately, we're hitting the finish line. So we're going to have to, uh, we like to keep these conversations short and, and punchy. So before we go, just a couple more quick questions. How can people connect with you, John? And exactly who would you like to talk to? Well, I'd love to talk to anybody, manager, director, vice president, who's really interested in basically having their people learn how communicate effectively to create a different culture, different outcomes, whether it be improving accountability, productivity, retention, job satisfaction, any of those things that they'd be interested in. Um, I can be reached at john, J-O-H-N, at dialogueworks.com. Or I guess if people wanted, they could go look for me on LinkedIn and then just message me. And set up some kind of a opportunity to visit a little bit about you know what we do. Um, I guess those would probably be the most effective ways to do that. Such an inspiring chat with you, and uh, I could just—I uh, had to hold myself back. I could just kind of get into flow state with you on talking about the Colorado River and wanting to see those <laughs> notebooks and and recall your memory about all the weird names for all the weird <laughs> rapids and and outcroppings and all that because. What a cool world, but it's been really fun to chat. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it as well. Thanks, John. I really enjoyed the stories and the, the connection between the exhilaration of a good conversation coming to an end and the exhilaration when you get through the rapids and come out the other side. Both of them have the same level of adrenaline rush and sense of achievement. So good conversation, good dialogue, difficult conversations that end well. Fabulous, fabulous things to work on. If anybody has some fabulous, fabulous things they want to work on, come check us out at thoughtpartnergroup.com or get crazy at crazymba.com. And that's about it for today.